Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready. We're about to live in your head rent-free. Hello, Otterites. Welcome to episode 133, Code of Honor. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. And I'm sitting in the captain's chair this week doing the Code of Honor. We're here once again at Studio M and on the 30th floor of the Nakatomi Plaza. Yep. Down the hall from Ellis, down behind the, the waterfall. Just behind the waterfall, yep. So, I always like to squeeze that one in just because it's, it's such a, a great way to describe the uh, wonderful studio that you have put together here. Have the comfy uh, seats, That's right. uh, the comfy big screens, uh, television to see our, uh, our goings on and keep track of what we're doing. So, you started the ball rolling on this, this comfort in the studio, and I really must give you props for it, Martin. Thank you, Robert. Thank so you. You've made us all up our game. At some point, I'm even going to transform this sort of TV space someday. Someday. Uh, of course, TV has to get bigger. Well, yes. yes. <laughs> someday. It's never big enough. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe do a different uh, TV stand, make it more furniture-like than just the old black and glass there. Someday, someday, I want to switch all of this uh, furniture out to leather. Oh, yes. Very, you know, yeah, nice. very masculine, yeah. very, uh, you know, so that makes it kind of a two thing. You know, it makes a sort of home theater and the recording studio. Um, yes. Hey, you won't hear any complaints from us. So. Very much so. So, Code of Honor, and as we said at the tail end of the last episode, we're doing Teddy Roosevelt. We're yes. doing a thematic Code of Honor, because next week we're doing Teddy the person yep. uh, for our hero. So we like to, to do the quotes to whet your appetite for the uh, next episode. And, my gosh, you know, I, as you guys know, I don't do a whole lot of prep because I base my quotes on what you guys are doing. But since we're doing thematic quotes, kind of at least got to gather a bunch of them. And just like with Twain, there are so many. That's right. Well, so you know, many. and Roosevelt never stopped talking. That's true. Uh, he always had something to say. <laughs> well, it's kind of like Twain, too. And they yeah. were contemporaries, too. They yes. were. They were. And, uh, and of course, both writers. Mm -hmm. uh, Theodore did write prodigiously uh, as a historian. Um, and, and, of course, in many, many, many political... Uh, uh, campaigns uh, was one of the first to really campaign in his own right and do yes. his own speeches and, and get out there in front of the public um, in a way that hadn't really been seen uh, before. Right. Well, that's his energy level, too, which was had a little bit to do with his youth, but mostly about his background, which we'll talk about next month. But, yeah, uh, he's kind of the original ADD president. Yes. Yeah, I think that's such a wonderful way to put it. Uh, well, that's right, he and, really, and he, he harnessed that, which most well, I think many more than, never do. More than almost any president before or since, uh, I'm sure you can find some exceptions, but he lived life to the fullest more than anybody. Yeah. Uh, you know, presidents nowadays and even prior, you know, it, it was very rare they went off and did anything besides being president after it was over. Most of them retired back to private life, but they didn't necessarily take on another job. Well, he didn't take on another job, but he went to Africa to go big game hunting for a few years. Yeah, he looks for the head of the Amazon River Yeah, uh, with his son and others. And yeah. Of course, eventually that, that's what killed him, but that's we're getting ahead of ourselves a little yeah. bit. Well, yeah. you are. Yes. Ha, ha, sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Uh, but so that being so full of life, he's going to produce a lot of quotes, which is great. Because if anybody was made for the soundbite, it was Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I totally yeah, get that. Yeah, he would feel totally at home in, in today's world. Well, I think. except he probably would have. They probably would have been trying to cut him off a lot because some of his quotes are pretty long. But he's got a lot of really short ones too. Yeah. Well, so, he would have. He would have been. If you can imagine him at a presidential debate, uh, the way they're conducted now. Uh, he wouldn't have stayed behind a podium, that's for sure. No. He'd right. have been banging on it and yelling at the reporters and wagging fingers and all kinds of stuff. And might have brought out that big stick and gone to town on the other <laughs> guy. <Yeah. laughs> he'd, he'd have been shaking it at people, I want to say, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. He would have been hard to, 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 to hold in. Yeah, to, to, to corral. Bombastic is yeah. one of the words that comes hard, to mind. Hard to corral at a uh, 
League of Women Voters uh, sponsored presidential debate. Exactly. <laughs> Bully! <laughs> Alright, so which one of you boys is going to go first? Because I obviously will go last. Up to you, Robert. You pick. All right, so Francis, why don't you go first? All right. Move around the uh, the room clockwise. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, You spoke of his length of his quotes. Uh, We were talking to the show prep about this, and the reason I picked it is because we kind of have to go there with this quote. It's the In the Arena quote. Yeah. It's probably his most famous quote of all. Uh, we we know well, maybe Beyond uh, Speak Softly and Carry a Big Stick. That's true. Yeah, there are others, but this one here is one that comes out all the time, all the time. It's actually a little bit of a longer quote, the whole context, which I'll give you. Uh, but the but the main piece of it is is in the center of it, which uh, we pretty well have kind of distilled that down. But it also really exemplifies Roosevelt's outlook on life. Yes. And Very that's much. one of the reasons why it's Very probably much. best we start with this one here. Yes. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll give it to you. Uh, it's called The Man in the Arena. For, and it's from a speech that's post-presidency? <coughs> uh, I believe so, yes. That I is believe correct. it was like 1909, 1910, somewhere in that. It was during the um, the Bull Moose Party time, or around that time. Okay, so it's so a little later. Than around little 1912. Later. Yeah. More, more 1912. Okay. That's right, yeah. It's around that time. Uh and it's, but, it, but again, it's a great encapsulation of the man. I'll give you the long quote first, and then we'll kind of go back to it. But the full, <clears throat> the full piece is, and it's called The Man in the Arena, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, who spends himself in, in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat." It is. It it is. If you could sum up his life in a paragraph, that's it. That's certainly it. That's correct. And that's what's admirable. No matter whether, yeah, no matter whether he succeeded or failed, he was there. He tried. Right. The short version that they cut that back is basically they take the first line. It is not the critic who counts. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. That's the that's the the soundbite version that most of us have. Don't stand on the sidelines. Do. Be out there and do. And because the actual process of doing is what counts. It's the journey, not the destination. We've heard that before. It's the same thing. Uh, So what if you get your face bloodied? So what if you fall down and fail? Uh, At the end, you're worth more than those who did nothing. Yeah. Uh, Timidity. Especially those who criticized without even making an attempt. Right. Yes. Yeah. That, that's 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 the I think first he would have had it. absolutely no patience or truck with the current political class. He would have he would have absolutely detested anybody who was in the media. Uh, any right. Pro- probably most of the politicians because on every know, side. On yeah, on every he, side he yeah. would have hated all of because, them because you know they go into politics from the beginning. Yeah. Not like him who had an entire life and 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 outlook and career besides politics. Yeah. And after politics. I mean, in an oddball way, I think he almost would have liked Trump. Thought about that when we were talking about it a little bit. The, the bombast, uh, the outspokenness, yeah. they did have that in common. And at least Trump tried. Yeah. I mean, yes, he was an abject failure. He destroyed the United States Football League, and not every business has worked out. And, you but know, is it really but... such a bad thing that the USFL died? <laughs> Well, and, and I mean, it could have been a modest success. It could have been, yes, especially when Herschel Walker. Uh, you know, if they went had kept it, yeah. not that anybody that's listening now cares because this is 1985. But you know, if they had stayed a spring football league, yes, I think they could have survived. Yes, it wouldn't have been to the same level as the NFL, but they could have survived. They could have. Uh, you know, been an extra sport, something everybody enjoyed in the spring. Modest, you know, maybe as a feeder thing into the NFL. 
but he wanted to take on the NFL, and he wanted to he wanted to force a merger so that he could get to the NFL on the cheap, because yeah. buying a USFL team cost him about a tenth of what it, but buying a uh, an NFL team would have cost him. But, but we're off to- topic. <laughs> yes, but you know what? I think that's exactly the reason why he would not like Trump. Because he did, yeah, he didn't try it the right way. Right, he tried, he tried to, to cut corners. He cut didn't corners, want to, he didn't cut actually corners, want to fight. shortcuts, and try it on the cheap. And he didn't a, do. Th- I mean, Trump, love him or, or hate him, he he's not he's not a doer like Teddy Roosevelt in yeah. the same way. Yeah, he's a money guy. Yeah, and it, it, that's a far different thing. So I think in the end we would say probably no, he wouldn't have as much. Uh, uh, in common with him as we might think, other than the sense, yeah, they're both bombastic and outspoken. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, but I think that's where the, the that's where the similarity ends. ends. Yeah, you're exactly right on that. Interesting. Because uh, yeah. yeah. Roosevelt, I mean, he was a failure himself many times. Too. Oh yes. Yeah. The the ranch in the West eventually failed. That's right. Yeah. In the Dakotas, yeah. yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, he was he was followed by personal tragedy to uh, you know the. His first wife dying. And, well, uh, his mother died like the next day. Exactly, yeah. It's yeah all, I mean, all it was like, together. holy cow. And you, you can make the statement, I think, that would I think would be true, that from that tragedy comes genius. I mean, there's been discussion of that before. And I think some of the that's one of the reasons that he took on the active lifestyle that he mm-hmm. so espouses in this quote is because, again, it also goes back to that ADHD that he had undiagnosed, but we do know that he had he fought with depression just like Hemingway did. His way out was strenuous lifestyle. Well, that was also a remedy for his own physical problems. That's correct. Yeah, you know, physical limitations. Yeah. Um, Which, in a way, is, you know, you, you have to admire that because he took what hit were his limitations and made them into a strength. Yes. You know, that was his reason for being the outdoor guy that he was. He was trying to overcome that. And that's he never saw something that he didn't think he could overcome in himself. And because it was always worth the attempt. Which is exactly what the quote says. That's yes. Right. So I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot, Francis. Oh, please. Come on. Well, you're good at this, though. This is, this is a real strength for you. Tell me something very personal about that quote for you. For me? Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, wow. wow. You're really shooting from the hip and going deep there. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Ouch. Oops. Zip. Well, I love to make things personalized, especially for Francis. Well, all right. What it, What does it mean to you? All right. It, well, you have... It's a work ethic question. Oh, yes. It's very much a work ethic question. Uh, it's something that... It's an easy thing... Those who have a good work ethic often uh, disparage those they think do not. And I think that's a little bit of a faux argument anyway because work ethics can be very varied. But the... That's work, a pride issue, the, the false pride issue. When it, that's correct. When it well, you know, it's, it's also a, a bit of, a, of an attempt at superiority, you know, yeah. because I have to be superior in my work ethic because you lazy people aren't. You have to exist <laughs> as lazy for me to feel better about myself. I don't want to go into that. Roosevelt's work ethic here was you must be engaged in something. And where I find that to be good is that can take on a variety of expressions depending on the person. Okay. It's very important in my particular case, to go back to the personal question, to recognize that the first 10 years of my professional life sucked. Sucked awful. They were terrible. Failed You're being yeah, Well, You all were there. Yeah. You all remember. So and not as a as a personal thing. You're just your work environment is what sucked. Well, that that is, that is correct. Yes. That's part of it. Yes, uh, and uh, yeah, because I was abused uh, professionally for twenty years in various jobs, everywhere I went to. But I didn't give up. But I did learn the lesson of you're in the wrong place. You need to be doing something different. Once you find what that place is, your place. Yeah. You find your arena. You were everybody's uh, spark plug, everybody's fixer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were. On one hand, it's great to be counted on. Yes. And your bosses knew they could count on you. Right. There's the work ethic thing again. But on the other hand, it does start to feel like I have to tie everybody's shoes around here. Uh-huh. 
I use the image of going behind everybody with a broom and a dustpan. Yes. Which was kind of... Uh, you were totally the guy who was cleaning, after, cleaning up after the elephants in the parade. Well, that's that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> you were the only one who would do it. Yeah. Well, the only one who could in many ways. Yes. Because some of these things were technical. Uh, that, but that's that's towards the end. In the the so, 90s was awful. It's interesting you, you say that's a work ethic quote. To me, it's not a work ethic quote at all. Really? Yeah. I mean, I can sort of see where you're getting that. Yeah. But to me, it's not about, you know, you got to stay busy. It's what you're doing has to be worthy. That's and correct. And I take that That's more correct. out of it, you know, it, because you can make the argument that anything, that you're always in a arena, some arena, some kind of yes. arena. You know, your life may be very small and meek and mild, so maybe your arena is not that big. But the worthier the arena, the bigger the stakes, the more the impact. And I think that's more what he's talking about, at least to me. Yeah. Uh, that the arena the, has to matter. Being well, in, active, in, to go personal, it's yeah. exactly the point that yeah. I learned from it. You know, any old, any old arena is worthless. You've got to find the right arena for you. But And there is, and here's kind of the faith background, there is always a right arena for everybody. Very true. You're, you're Very built true. a certain way. And shame on you if you don't find that way. And it may take time and it may take many failures, as Roosevelt himself did. But as he's saying, you get back up, you push back on, and you find that right arena and you get engaged in it. And and those who would seek to knock you down don't matter. Don't matter. And and this I mean, this ties to That's many correct. quotes that we've talked about in the past. Oh, I have I have uh, great hatreds for many that I worked yeah, for. Yeah, I mean, before. even when we talked about the Twain quotes last time, it, it, it you know it's very much about those small people. Yes. That make fun of you or. Or dismiss your arena, or abuse don't you. matter. That's right. Yeah, you know. you know your fight in the arena is what matters. Yes, Again, I have power over you, so you right. do it my way, and uh, and de- you be damned. Yeah, as a person. But again, it, it, it reminds me of the Twain quote I did uh, that last month of uh, you know talking about people will dismiss your efforts, right, Francis? You know. Um, but you, you're carrying on. You're, you're, you're got your arena, and those critics don't count. You're in it. You're smudged with blood and dirt, making it happen. Right. And finding the right arena, which is where yeah. I'm at now. Yeah. You know, and, and it took a while to get there. Yeah. It got progressively better, as you all remember. But there were some many, many dark times yeah. for a long time. And the only regret I have is the fact that my children were in their formative years during that period. That that's, that's what they witnessed. Yeah. But they have the presence of mind, I think, to recognize the outcome now as they're adults. So they, they get that. But they also recognize that uh, abuse has its... Uh, it is... The consequences of abuse are unavoidable. Unavoidable. Yes. The consequences... The abuse, hopefully, is avoidable. Correct, but, but the point, consequences definitely are not right. Once once the abuse happens, and as, as you all know, it has been many with me. So, uh, not to end on a downer there with with Francis there, but it's it's better. So that's well, that's, it's, that's right. It's better. You did so, ask, so, so you know. So, Martin, thank you, uh, Robert. I'm happy to take over and so, try to be a little less downing. Uh, this one is is a humor one. I couldn't find. The source for this from TR, I, I don't know if he wrote it or said it, but it, this is one of those that, again, as soon as I saw it, jump off the page. Yeah, that's got to be the one. This is now my email signature at work. Awesome. <laughs> it, it will be, or it, it, it is. is. Okay. I, I changed it yesterday. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So as you were doing research for this. Okay, yes. gotcha. All right. Yes. So as soon as I saw this, I was like, well, yep, that's got to be uh, my email signature. So the quote is, if you could kick the person in the pants responsible for most of your trouble, you wouldn't sit for a month. Ding, 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 the good ding, old ding, ding. personal responsibility, the, and again, this is one of our things, we, we've talked about this in numerous uh, Code of Honor uh, episodes, your life is yours. Yes. It, it's not about... The outside forces. It's not about victimhood. Vic, yes, yes, precisely. It's not about victimhood. 
you know, you are the master of your fate. Yes. Yes, weird things happen, but how you respond to those weird things, how you get back up after you're smudged with, with blood and dirt in yeah. the arena, that's what really matters. So you would say that that means that, because we all know those, and maybe they're stereotypical, I don't know, those people that always seem to have bad luck at everything they do. You are suggesting, or TR is suggesting perhaps, that the reason that it happens is, like McClellan, they're bringing themselves they're to They're bringing the themselves. And there's, you know, I find it a Nobody very, has karma that bad. Yeah. I find it a very common thing uh, in in kind of this generational deal that um, you know th- there's a lot of blame to spread around. It's like you know it's not necessarily the professor doesn't like you or the boss doesn't like you or this or that. You know maybe they're not having these ulterior motives you're ascribing to them. Maybe they're just doing what they do with everybody. You've got to take responsibility for your own actions. And maybe you are the problem to begin with. They may not have ulterior motives, but maybe you are just a pansy-ass little whiny (laughs) and they don't like that. Well, Because who does? Well, if you want to steal from the great philosopher Tim Wilson, which we love to do, as he once said, you've been married nine times. Maybe, no, it's, maybe, you. It's, maybe you. it's you. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's, and it is. It's the very same thing. Very mm-hmm. same thing. Uh, divorced a bunch of times. Well. What's the common denominator here, folks? Yeah. 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 You know, there, there is a common denominator to, to repeat things. Yeah. And that's not a problem if you don't, if you learn the lesson from it. Exactly. Exactly. Learn, learn the people, lesson. Yes, learn the lesson. Most people are repeat divorcers have not learned the lesson. Yeah. Uh, uh, most people who uh, go from failure to failure to failure aren't learning the lesson because they keep trying the same thing over and over. You know, uh, as a corollary, you know, insan- the definition of insanity yeah, is doing the same thing over and over. Expecting a different result. And expecting a different result. Yeah. Uh, so... You know, I like the I like that quote because you're right. It's about personal responsibility uh, to me as well. But I also like it because one, it's a bit uh, snarky, uh, and I, I like a bit of snark. Tr is good at that, it's and he is. But it's also one of those ones that should make you stop and think a little bit deeper. Yeah. Because yeah, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh yeah, that's funny." Yeah, I know. I'm I'm always the cause of my own problems or whatever. Yeah. It's like, no, you're not always the cause of your own problems. He's not always the cause of, your, of all your problems. Your cause of all your problems is that you're not examining them. A lack of introspection. Yeah. Yes. It's yes. a lack of introspection. It's a lack. It's the unexamined life. Yeah. Ooh, very nice. Yeah. Yes, that's and right. It's very much not to say. Uh, Oh, well, I've always been this awesome. No, I mean, lots of us have that selfish period where we we think everybody's out to get us. Uh, but like you said, if you start to really examine and start to think about the world, you start to go, well, you know, maybe nobody's really out to get me. Because really, maybe nobody I, really cares. No, who, who's got that time and attention to waste on you? Yes, that's exactly. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's a very... And it's a personal growth thing of... Moving out of that selfishness and that, well, you know, th- this thing was somebody else's fault. Eh, maybe not. You, you've got to grow. You've well, got even to, if it well, is, it's complicated. What are you gonna, if you don't do anything about it and you just whine about it, then it is your fault. Yes. Yeah. Well, because but some people like that. Well, that's part of the problem. I think. Yeah, it's part of the yeah. problem. But you know, I think far too many have grown up, and, and I think this starts. Not starts with, but it exploded with the helicopter parents. Yeah. Uh, and even before that, uh, you know, the baby boomers. You know, the, the baby boomers were seen as one of the most selfish generations in many ways. Uh, mm-hmm. They were very hedonistic and, you know, they, in many ways, especially those who grew up in the 60s. You know, that no. was... so. And not all of them were, not all of them are, but... We've got a drug-free American. I want my free drugs now. Exactly. So, you know, 
That's very good. Actually, yeah. <laughs> that's a PJ work stolen. Yeah, well, well, stolen. Well, there are. There's always somebody we're stealing from, <laughs> you know, having fun with it. But you know, if if you're unwilling to examine the life that yeah. you've lived, if you're unwilling to uh, make a change, it's sometimes because you're you know, it's like, well, I'm fine the way way I am. But I think there's often a deeper cause, and that is that we haven't taught people how to do this. Yeah. Sometimes yes. people wallow in their own misery because they don't know how not to. And sooner or later it becomes habitual. Right. And it becomes generational. Yeah. 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 And at some point it becomes societal. Yeah. Maybe not entire society, but certain pockets of it. What you're talking about essentially is Darwinism. Those who cannot adapt perish. Well, no, because in this case it's reverse Darwinism. Those who cannot adapt are taking over the damn place. When you think about where things, how, you know, granted... Yeah, how do you, how do you get around them? Right, they're because everywhere. their numbers well, grow. If, well, perhaps, but it's not the Darwinian answer, sooner or later they perish? Well, it depends. Worse. No, not, not, when, uh, not when the government's scooping out freebies by the shovel load at you. With no expectation of... So, uh, uh, gov- uh, government assistance to a, a above a cer- above a certain level, of course. Well, it's yeah. not just that is is anti evolutionary. Well, it's not just that. It, there is that degree, but to, it, it, I think the the problem is that we don't expect people to take responsibility anymore, unless it directly affects us. You know, somebody backs up into us in the parking lot. Well, you know, by God, they're going to pay. Their insurance company is going to pay, whether you got a scratch in your car or not. If I back up into somebody in the parking lot, it's like, oh, it wasn't really that bad. You, you buff that out. We don't want to take responsibility because it's inconvenient. Because and, we become addicted and that to inconvenience has become. Uh, almost a part of the culture, or that, that lack of wanting to an addiction. An addiction, yeah. I mean, it's as Martin said earlier about uh, in an earlier discussion. You know that TikTok culture doesn't allow us to have the time uh, to dwell on anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't and it really doesn't give us the time for the introspection. We're constantly going from video to video on our yeah. freaking phone. It, we don't have the time to look at ourselves. And well, it doesn't want you to anyway, because that's not because well, if no, you, it you takes you off the phone. Well, that's right. You know, it, there's a consumerist, a materialistic piece in there that's baked into it as well. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. you know, I've talked about, especially when we did our Rome series. I talked about this. Uh, uh, matter of fact, it was at the end of the year a couple of years ago when we did Rome, uh, and I think when we did the, the wrap up. And one of the things I talked about then was the worry about. How, about the parallels I see between the modern United States and Rome as it fell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of that can be tied to not wanting to take that responsibility. The softness of the culture, the the how we want everything just handed to us. Well, uh, luxury beget, begets decadence. Yes. Well, and even beyond that, you know, we've we've so arranged everything that we don't even want to be bothered with the production of the things that are necessary for modern life. You know, we talked about it with the outsourcing and just-in-time inventory. Right. Yep. You know, that's led to the current crisis, uh, economic crisis that we are in. A lot of people don't realize that it is one, but I think it's going to get a lot worse because of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, COVID we, has exposed a huge flaw right. in the way we have structured society. Yeah, we have no connection to... There, there's no self-production. Right. Well, in many ways, you could put it this way, in a TR way. There's not enough doers in the country. Just sponges. Just, just sponges. And, and I don't mean that just people, sponges as in living off the fruits of others, whether it be on, on the government teat or whatever. Right. But when your entire economy is based as a service economy, and you're not actually making things, uh, I think innovation goes down. Uh, not entirely. Uh, because you know you don't have to create a physical product for there to be innovation, but I think when you take one aspect of that out of your, you lessen the whole. And I just think we have slowly structured ourselves into into a decline of mm-hmm. sorts because we are not the same country we were even fifty years ago. 
and, and that same, it just would become more individualistic, but in a selfish way. Mark, repeat your quotes. I want to make sure we don't lose sight of that yes. tie into what we're talking about. If you could kick the person in the pants yes. responsible for most of your trouble, you wouldn't sit for a month. So right. again, this that there's a lot of snark that makes it appealing. You bring yourself to the problem, but on the on the deeper level, you're right. You guys, we've talked about it before. The unexamined life. Examine your life. Think about, you know. Maybe I was a bit selfish there, or maybe I did blame other people for things that really were m- my doing. Mm-hmm. I've got to grow. I've got to get better. If you're not growing, you're dying. Well, you, your value choices may, that may deserve some scrutiny. And it, I, go, I keep thinking back to those people. We all and like I go back to where we were about those people where everything bad always seems to happen to them. Yeah, and you know, or and they can't. They fall and they can't get back up. Yeah. Uh, and and you and and I often wonder if there's a deeper motivation because of choices they've made, and this is just a out of my ass example, because they've spent so much money on cigarettes, they don't have money to fix their car, so they yeah. can't when the car breaks, they have to sell the car because they can't give up the cigarettes, and therefore they're on public transportation. But then again, they get into the car, but it breaks because they're they're never able to get out of this vicious never out of cycle. The, yeah, the cycle because of. Choices they've made yep. that are not willing to question. Right. right. Yeah. And your choices are your own, and not somebody else's. And they're more. The they're, universe isn't. They're out more to get than you. just what's what what's ailing you at the moment. Yeah. There are systemic. There, you have built a system around you for what for good or ill yeah. that may be part of the problem. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you know bolts from the blue don't happen and bad luck doesn't seem to run in. Yeah. I mean, Vesuvius still erupted. That's right. You know, well, Hurricane good. Katrina still happened, right? So yes, occasionally weird, random stuff happens. But those are things that, but in the main, your life. There is were ways of, to fix that, yeah, though. Eventually, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, your your individual sort of life, life is else. the sum of your decisions. Well, to be fair, Vesuvius couldn't be avoided unless you moved. That's right. <laughs> so, well, but, Katri- but the effects of Katrina could have been mitigated if we had built the levees better and man- maintained them as there, we should have. Absolutely. And after the fact that it happened, was the government response quick enough? Did it do well, all this stuff like that? Has was the, the local response quick enough to invoke the national response? It, it, yeah, it, it, it is complicated. Yes. There's a lot I mean, of things. That was a failure on many levels. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, the national response is to mobilize the local resources. If there aren't any local resources... There's not kind of hard to yeah, yes. There's nothing the national response can do. So, so let's do a bourbon break. Excellent, yeah, Robert. So gotta Excellent. Got to do a bourbon break. So I'll go first since I'm the captain. Uh, doing some more of the Stonehammer, uh, which again, uh, Francis, you, you mentioned in the last episode. Wonderful name. Absolutely. You As someone who loves name. to do stone carving, I love this name. Well, I was reading the back of the bottle, and that was actually it was the nickname. From this governor that it's kind of named after, it was a disparagement. He was a mason in his earlier life, and his political opponent used it as a slam. Oh wow! But looking at it now, thinking, how could this be a slam? It's an actual cool name, Stone Hammer. Teddy would have loved this. Teddy would have loved it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, still liking us. Yeah, it's really, growing on me. Yeah, really good working man kind of thing. Um, I'm, very girl haggard of you there, sir. Yeah. Add some ice to this. Uh, I didn't get a chance to do it before we started this episode. I'd forgotten about it, but uh, I am really enjoying it still. I'm, I'm using you know, the soap It's a good again. difference. Uh, compared it's, to what it's, we usually do. it's not bitter, but it's got bite. Um, it stays, I mean, it's on the tongue now. It doesn't go from the tongue. Well, you know, some of them, you know, it's one and done, it's gone, and goes elsewhere. Yeah. This doesn't. Um, yeah, you know, you're talking. About you weren't getting it in the uh, the nasal, the nose, right? Not um, I. When I take a bigger sip, is when I tend to get more of it there. Uh, the smaller the sip, the less I get here. And that's how I drink. It's for small sips, so you may have something there. That's... So, because I just noticed that you got uh, a little bit bigger of a sip. Because I'm trying to get to the end of this glass so I can go on to the next bourbon. Uh, but yeah, it's you know, it does not explode everywhere, and most of them don't. Uh, right. and, it, and it does hit the, the esophagus and the, and the stomach, but it takes a while to get there. It's a long-lasting effect, and that's what I like about it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I did. Uh, I did a snort neat this time without adding the ice, and oddly enough, I feel like I'm getting less of that antiseptic. Well, good because I know that's one of your big things you hate. Do you think yeah. it's the the chill, or is it the the slight watering of the? the or maybe that I've had two glasses of it. Well, there's that too. <laughs> that's unusual for you. Uh... That maybe I've just had too much, but. Uh, um, I'm well, liking you the that. nose. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I like the nose a little bit more uh, neat than I did with the ice. It, it just feels less antiseptic, yeah. um, and it is. It's good and mellow and smooth. Yeah, I'm not warm. getting a whole lot of um, uh, extra flavors. You know, you're really good at pulling out yeah. the caramel and things like that. I'm yeah. not getting any of that. Yeah, this. it's very straightforward. Just just a good uh, kind of the standard bourbon uh, sort of woodsy to it. Yeah, uh, but yeah. You know, mellow, smooth, 24 bucks. Pop into your local Kroger and get some. I'm totally with you on that. I'm loving it. That's all you got for that? That's all I got for that. Okay, that's fine. That's good. Because, you know, we already talked about it last episode, and we covered it again. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't have much more for that. Uh, It's great. It's wonderful. Uh, I've described how it affects me. Uh, uh, Would I buy it? Probably. Uh, Would I share it? Absolutely. Um, It's a... The high uh, compliment for the bourbons. Would I buy it? Yes. Would I share it? Hell no. <laughs> well, that's probably <laughs> true. Well, yeah, yes, at, at this price point, it's a good one to to get and share with the brothers-in-law for you. I prefer to go cheaper with them. Okay. Even than that. So you're uh, going to go even cheaper than Old that. Granddad is my standby in, in the uh, carafe. Uh, I've got one of those crystal decanters at home. So it makes it look like a high-end bourbon. But, <laughs> but that way they don't know what it is, and I can lie my ass off and tell them. Are oh, you saying that they are not as discerning when it comes to the bourbon as we are? No, they're not. They'll drink what I have. And the fact that and, they'll they'll drink and, it and, and clean you out of it and, and clean me out of it. They will, yeah, they uh, in large quantities. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, uh, especially yeah. when all three are there. So yeah, it's uh, I, I can't. I'm not going to let them drink me into the poorhouse. Uh, and yeah. neither should you. Neither no, should that's you. right. Yeah. No, and, so, and they have never complained. Yeah. Well, I, I would and if if they were offended by if if it was like my God, what are you doing giving us this cheap shit? Yeah, if they were discerning enough where it mattered, I'd end up the game. It's but so far, it's five dollars a bottle, maybe, and yeah, you, you know, know. Uh, the, the twelve dollars. Still not putting out the the double oat. <laughs> well, I mean, the wife occasionally makes me, uh, but uh, when I ask her about the Angel's Envy, which is her personal favorite, oh, and that's said, a non-starter. That's a non-starter. That's right. So uh, we've kind of reached a rapprochement, as they say, <laughs> on this issue. And uh, as long as I keep the the cheap stuff on hand and plenty of it, we're okay. I do like it better than that Jefferson's that you had. I don't know what the deal was. I don't know. Thing. Well, that's uh, because you, and this is this is my love for you fellas, because universally you panned that brand, uh, it went to downstairs where the brother oh. can drink it. So uh, it's, uh, we Yes, that one was not as, we as won't well-received. That's one of the doing least that with, well-received bourbon we've yeah, done. We'll be Even doing less that than the Devil's again. Cut. Yeah, we'll be doing that one yeah. again. Uh, so which leads me... <laughs> one thing I like about the Stonehammer, it is listed as... Distilled, aged, and bottled right here. Kentucky. I saw that. Yeah, it was pretty so nice. That that, yeah. that makes it. It's a, as Kentucky as it comes. A yeah. clean, sweet. Well, you know, they've got to start doing that because we were looking at that Bourbon Plus magazine that Martin was sharing, and there was an ad for a what was it called? Uh, Iowa Iowa Bourbon. It's like no, oh, no, that's hell no. No, that's it's Iowa whiskey. It's not Iowa bourbon. Right. right. You can make it out of fifty-one percent corn mash. And I get Iowa, you're proud of your corn. But you're not Kentucky. But you're not Kentucky. So. Yes, bourbon belongs to Kentucky morally, if not legally. Yes. Morally. And I think. Morally. I love that. And I think TR would agree with that. Yes. There you go. All right, Robert. My gosh, so many things. Uh, I just want to say a couple things about the the breadth of the quotes here, because it looks like we've got plenty of time here to to wrap this up. You know, T.R., he's a Republican, but that's a very different Republican Party than it is today. Yeah. Uh, It was a very much a, especially through him, very much a progressive party. A lot Uh, of the things that we would associate with modern political liberalism uh, have their roots in Republican Party 100 100 years ago. Yeah. Uh, He is the origin of trust busting. Uh, he is the origin, really, of a national effort at conservation. Yep. 
there's a quote I ran across that he is uh, a huge proponent of equal pay for equal work. It's not the, the quote that he used, but, uh, and to me, that what that speaks about to the man is that everybody's the same. In other words, he believed in the inherent dignity of the human person. Ah, one of our favorites. Yes, yes. absolutely. So uh, for that, you know, for no other reason, uh, I, I gotta love the man. Uh, let me scroll to where I was going. I, I was gonna go with one of those about government uh, that, that was really so good but since we went into uh, other areas with your quotes, I'm going to go with this one. So as a quick recap, because you know I like to do that before I go into mine. Sure. Um, Francis, yours was the in the arena quote. The uh, famous give us the short the, version of it. The please. famous in the arena. Oh, yeah. It's not the critic who counts, but the man who is in the arena. Well, I wasn't going to say that quite that short, but all right, that's fine. That's this good. version is the doer, not the, yeah, the, that's right. the commenter. Right. Get, get in there and get smudged with uh, blood and dirt. Right. And don't criticize. That means nothing. Right, and Martin, yours was? If you kick the person in the pants responsible for most of your trouble, you wouldn't sit for a month. In other words, often the problem is you. Yes, that's right. If you've been married nine times, hell, maybe it's you. That's right. Uh, or as uh, one of the old cartoons in the 30s said, we have met the enemy and he is us. <laughs> that's right. So, uh, I came across Is that a one. Pogo? Yeah, it's Pogo. Yeah. Ah! Uh, Walt Kelly. Walt Kelly. Yeah, Walt Pogo. Kelly, yes. Pogo, yeah. Uh, very good. That's excellent. Love wow, that. our heads are filled with incredibly useless stuff. It's so right. so true, so true. So the quote that I'm picking today, a five terabyte hard drive in here. That's right. Well, you know, I upgraded to a 14 over the week uh, this past week. Uh, picked it up for 200 bucks at uh, uh, Best Buy. Unfortunately, wow. they're no so longer that you're, cheap. You're running how many terabytes? It's a 14, but that's where I put all of the my my scans. So uh, I ran out of space. Or I was getting close to it. 14 terabytes at your house. At my house. That's just one in, drive. In one drive. That's correct. That's just one. one drive. I've got many others. Yes. i got a lot of unused space, though, to be fair. Uh, I never I got was, around to doing some of the stuff I had meant to do. I was going to say, 14, it, you'd have a hard time filling that, even if it was all video. It'll take or, me a few more years, but yeah. it can be filled. Because the eight that I was moving stuff off of, yeah. I didn't think I would fill this quickly. Oh, wow. So, I was going to say. And I, but I have a lot of scans. So yeah, I've got. Uh, I think I have three, four terabytes. Yeah. Or, or is it four, or three terabytes? No, it's it's a mixture. I probably got twelve or fourteen total mixed amongst all the drives, not counting the operating system. Right, and that's not just the scans. That includes uh, media as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it doesn't take long. Especially media fills stuff up. Pretty yeah, good. it does. Yeah. It does. So, anyways, uh, back to the quotes at hand. This is uh, a great. Summation, I think, of what you guys were, were going for. And, uh, oh, I scrolled past it. Uh, where did I go? Oh, no, we don't need uh, that. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, oh, crap. Where did it go? Oh, my. Shall it we was right here. Shall we tap dance a little bit? Yes. Okay, so my quote is a good follow-up for yours, as I always try to make them. It is not often that a man can make opportunities for himself. But he can put himself in such shape that when or if the opportunities come, he is ready. There you go. Now, I like this because you guys know I love the uh, personal responsibility, personal development, motivational kind of stuff. Love that kind of stuff because uh, to me it's a good reminder to, to keep my head in the game, keep it in the right place. And what I like about this <clears throat> is that reminds me that a good portion of my success in life has to do with my preparation. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. uh -huh. now, I've got to be ready to take advantage of what comes my way. Whether it's to grasp it or to dodge it yeah. if it's not a good thing. And if I'm ready then I can grasp the opportunities when they come. You know, if I get the opportunity to uh, you know, somebody offers me a Big ass book contract, and you know, I, and they want to go to press with the first one next month, and I haven't written the first word. I'm in trouble. Well, yeah. so you know, not that that's likely to yeah, happen they, in that way. Yeah, nobody's gonna do that that way. But that, the other I mean, way around. Not, well, once the book's written, hopefully yeah, that's where it goes. Right. But yeah, I'll never get that big ass book contract if I don't start writing the book. That's exactly right. So, uh, by the way, speaking of books, 
Francis is making wonderful progress on oh. his forthcoming bestseller. Thank you, thank you. Yes. And uh, as I was telling him at breakfast this morning, I have done 35,000 additional words in my own book uh, this oh. month for NaNoWriMo, oh. uh, averaging almost 3,000 words a day. Oh, which yeah, is a massive amount. It yes. is, and it's but you know, and, and like I said when we were first told me that, of course they're probably all shit at first, but at least you get it down, right? And that's where you start. That's exactly. Right. You can't do squat until you've got that raw. I love clay. to watch the eagle as he flies. <laughs> you are you are soaring, brother. So you know, to use that as an example, yeah. you know, use it as a personal example. We don't often do that. So knowing Nano was coming up, and I had. Uh, Explain so, what that is. Uh, National Novel Writing Month. That's right, because I had mentioned a... that on a on a recent blog post uh, about that. Right. So, or, or by the time you hear this, it's a few weeks old. But uh, since I post so infrequently, it's probably the last one I posted, anyways. By the time you hear this. <laughs> but yeah, I knew that was coming up, and this year I wanted to make a really good concerted effort to finish this draft. Uh, I've had half of it sitting there for some time. I was going to say, you've been working on this for a long time. Well, in I started it a long time ago. Right. Spurts, yeah. yeah it, it's been it in spurts. Really, it's only lately that you've pushed it and got it to where it's you're moving to finish the draft. Well, it really, again, just picked it up November 1st. Okay. Oh, again, okay. I've had, you know, it's been in the back of my mind. We've talked but, a lot about it. And we've but, talked about it in a very general way. Right, yeah. So, knowing that National Novel Writing Month was coming up, I... Put myself in that place to be ready. So, yeah. you know, we were working on your draft that you had given to us. Right. And I wanted to get that done and out of the way so right. that I could give that back to you for your own work. Right. But also to clear the decks for myself. And the process actually helped you. Yes, we, it we did. Talked we talked about, about you know, one of the things that, uh, that you said helped you was right. pointing out where you had the unrealized tendency to reuse... Certain phrases and words. That's right, absolutely. And when you're right. when you're writing a hundred thousand words, it's even if you've so read it a thousand times, it's so easy to do. Yes, and it is, and it I can saw be myself annoying. picking up some of the same things and was very saved, quickly able saved to, you on the front end. Yes, a lot of work. Yeah, and you know that's and part of that is the more you read and the more you write, the better you will write. Ultimately, that's the only way to do and it. And that's the only yeah. way to do it. Yeah. So. You know, that was actually a very good preparation. Mm -hmm. Also, I've been taking the time to review uh, some of my books on writing and some of the courses I've, I've got. Uh, Write Structure and The Story Grid are two excellent resources. Very much so. Yes, I use both of them um, as well. Well, Write Structure just came out. Oh, uh, you're right. I, I, I use, I, there's, a, there's several others that I use, and it's not that one. It's, yeah, uh, but it's... Uh, uh, yeah. There's some, story there are similar Grid's a big one. I love Story, I love, grid, is love great. story grid. Yes, I cannot right. wait until I finish this draft to use a Story Grid to go back in and map it out. Because now that I'm farther into the book and I'm getting closer to the end game, I can see where this tool is invaluable right. uh, to help figure out whether or not the story works. Right. But again, I couldn't be where I am if I hadn't done the legwork ahead of time. You know, I went ahead and right. I mapped out, in a very general sense, the rest of the scenes. Now, there will probably be a few that I add in additionally and maybe some that I cut. Yeah. I already rearranged a whole bunch of it. I did all that. And, and uh, You're right. You had to start somewhere. Yeah. So, I mean, because I started this out more pantsing than plotting. Uh, now I'm probably much more of an equal mix. Uh, even though I have all the scenes plotted, or at least purposed, shall we say, as I, as I told you this morning. Right. I know the point of all these scenes. Right. Uh, I still don't know exactly how some of it will play out in the end, because I like to be a little surprised. Well, yeah, uh, characters will write the story for you if and they, you, if they you will. get them good, yeah. So they take you in different areas that you didn't really expect to go. Exactly, because they they become real. Well, you all picked that up some too, because you, you uh, some of your favorite characters in my book were mine too. Right. And this current revision is is leaning into that a little bit more. Good. good. Yeah. Yeah. Letting, so letting the characters emerge a little bit more and be true to themselves. Yes. Well, and and and, and appear that way. Yes. Yeah. They, they have to they have to be seen that way. Yeah. Far too often. Um, when you see this when writers who have not yet honed their craft, and it's easy to see it again, not to be somebody who's the critic, because I am trying to do as well. That's right. That's right. Yeah, um, you're just commenting. I'm just hyper aware of things like characters in books that follow a mold that seems to be predefined, and they don't come out fall outside of that mold. There's no growth. There's no change. Well, then you have no arc, and then you have no no. 
no purchasable story, certainly, right. or I readable mean, one. Why would anybody want to read yeah, that? Yeah, it's just, it, you know, either the characters don't change or they're stereotypes of themselves. And, you know, that's never never good for a story. No. And yeah, all this preparation that I've tried to do, which granted sounds like a lot, but really has not been a whole lot because a lot of this has been in my head. A lot of it's just been yeah, getting right, it down. That's right, right. And I will finish the, I will win, as they call it, NaNoWriMo, somewhere around the 17th. Oh, at my current rate, I will hit my 50,000 words on the 17th. That's just five days from now. Right. I'm only 15,000 words away. Literally, 35,005 words is my count as of last night. But that's not going to complete your story. That won't complete the story. Right, because you're... The other 13 days, yeah. the next 33, or uh, thirty to 40,000 words, yeah. will be finishing it. Right, and you're going to end up at what, 120? I'm looking right now, it's probably going to be around 100, 120 yeah. in that first draft. I need to count up the scenes that I have left. Yeah, um, the the ending payoff section of the book, which is generally no more than a quarter of a book, yeah, has about the same number of scenes as the middle build, but I expect many of them to be much shorter. There'll be a lot of POV shifting as the action quickens. Yeah, and it's all going on concurrently. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that'll make for a much more uh, exciting yeah. end to it. Yeah. But it was all in the preparation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to take you back. Well, yeah, because I was proactive about it. Yeah. Right. Th- this quote reminds me of a P.J. O'Rourke, uh, and I can't recall which article, which which of his things this is in, but it's, you know, in, a, in America, opportunity will not only knock, it'll jiggle the door handle and try the window. But, of course, the key being... You got to open the door when opportunity knocks. Right. So you got we got to hear what's happening too. Yeah. yeah. So many folks are deaf to it. That's, that's very that's, much. Very much. Very much. Yeah. Because they, they, they don't they see it as something else. Uh, they they have their own innate brokenness, you might say, that he sees up op- that what should be seen as opportunity is seen as uh, impossible risk or well, danger. Or uh, ridiculousness or In the something else. seminal uh, work by Napoleon Hill, it's considered the, the godfather, because it's not the first, but it's kind of the, the godfather yeah. of all personal development. It's the big dog daddy, yeah. Is Think and Grow Rich. Right. And one of the principles he put forth in that is this, and I love it, uh, and that is that every adversity has within it the seeds of an equal or, opportun- or greater opportunity. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. in other words, you can always make lemonade out of lemons. That's right. Yeah, and, and failure, in fact, is what enables you to eventually succeed. Right. Uh, John Maxwell wrote a book called Failing Forward. Yes, that was a very famous book for some. For yeah, even time. even Edison. I mean, that's right. Part of his kind of his legend in the American psyche is, yeah, I didn't fail ten thousand times. I just figured out ten thousand ways it wouldn't work right. until I had the right one. Right. Right, Edison is a great example of that quote. A great example of of yours as well, you know, Martin's yeah. and uh, Francis's, because he, as an inventor like him, who never gave up. I mean, he he was in the arena by yeah. far. I mean, without Edison, most of modern America doesn't exist. I mean, somebody else probably would have come along with something similar. Well, Tesla probably would have gotten credit for it. All that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was wondering if we were going to go there. Yes, uh, but. Hey, hey, Nikola Tesla, snakes and otters understands your your contributions. We Excellent. love you. We do. We Very do. much so. You so, were you were there too. He was, and depending on who you believe, he, he was responsible for a good deal of what what happened. But the point is, though, these guys were there in the beginning, and they kept trying. They kept trying failure after failure until they got it right because there was no other option. You know, it's kind of like Cortez burning the ships when they get to America. You know, it's either succeed or die. Exactly. Yeah. As a result, is when men were well motivated. Exactly. Go show thank, Connor. Thank you, there. Captain Ramius. Yes, yes, that's right. Uh, so, to, you know, so much of life, when you succeed, is not just execution. It's the preparation and re-examining what happened. Because if you it's all it's all three you know it's it's all three and not both and but all three and yeah. it's not either or you have to be prepared as much as you can for the unknown you have to be prepared for whatever may come 
which, granted, is impossible. You can't be prepared for everything. But that means you might fail. So if you re-examine, then maybe the next time you are prepared and can succeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of it requires in the middle, prepare, then be in the arena, and then realize if your own butt is the one that needs to be kicked. Yep. Yep. And even when you succeed, your butt probably still needs to be kicked because you didn't do it exactly the way you could have. So that is uh, that is awesome stuff, Robert. Very well done, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's I, I I really this you had mentioned Francis that we ought to think about doing more than one of these on, on TR and, yeah. and on uh, Twain. And I think that's an excellent idea. Yeah, I think, yeah. We, you know, we, yeah. These guys are fonts of not just wisdom, but just a cornucopia of great quotes. Yes, absolutely. Well, they, they have such an incredible breadth of experience. Again, a, a life well lived, a life fully lived. And when you do that, yes, you get mud on your face, you bleed a little, but you gain so much you gain that wisdom to know what life's really about dare i dare i end with this um improve a mechanical device and you may double productivity but improve man and you gain a thousandfold (laughs) okay but which we're talking about man is the essential equation in this yes humanity yes. Yes. the human equation is all that matters here yep. if that is improved now he's speaking genetically but we're speaking uh, experientially right then you gain yes. a thousandfold then yes. success is possible in fact it is impossible without it yes well actually it, 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 even in its own way his is also mechanically because it's all based entirely on on the parts well, that's uh, right. Yeah, his, yeah, it's a very well. That's Roddenberry. It's a yeah. very mechanistic. It is uh, approach. It takes no account into soul or spirit or anything like that. Roddenberry would yeah, go right. nowhere near that. No matter what the clay that you're made of is, there's still a way to be more than that. Yes, it can that, be molded. That is that is a very uh, Thomistic and uh, Aristotelian. Approach, you know, the soul, which the spirit. we always like. The, we the absolutely love that. That's right. yes. Exactly. I mean, that's uh, it, it's it's a dichotomy. I didn't even know I was doing that. Oh yeah, it's a dichotomy between, uh, you know, are we simply a sum of our parts, and therefore accidental, or do we have a soul and a spirit that is? I should drink more often. Yes, you should. Then I then I'm very Aristotelian when I drink. I, I'm, I'm liking it. Oh. <laughs> You know, that's a bumper sticker, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, that's correct. I am very Aristotelian well, when I drink. That's, uh, you know, it might be a little long. You may have to go to Mystic to, to make it fit on a bumper sticker. But, but uh, hey, it works. No, I think it works. I think I think that's the uh, Snakes and Otters clothing line. <laughs> is now, I'm very Aristotelian when I drink. I, I'm, I'm liking this. That's that's a that's a Martin catchphrase right there. Uh, yeah, exactly. And you see, you've been hanging on to PJ for too long. Use your own brain and, and fecundity that you have, as you've just proven to us that you have yes. the ability to quote better than any of them. Uh, and I think this whole process, you know, indicts that. I think that may have to be our next set of sweatshirts. Otterites, we're all wearing our our snakes and otters hoodies on this fine, crisp. Fall day. That's right. Uh, got our swag on. So I think our next swag may have to be, I'm very Aristotelian when I drink. Uh, I'm totally like Martin. Martin. Yeah, yes. yeah, it was a quote. I like it. I like it. That, 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 uh, that has to end up on the blog and everything. So. Oh, yes, that has to go on the blog. Yeah. That, well, that seems well, like that's I, I, Martin Monday's You, you get to write it. I mean, hey, you, 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 you oh, quoted it. and I have not read uh, Francis' latest post. I need to do that. Oh, I, and I've, been told, I've been told I've been missed on that. Because I don't haven't done it as often as I as I yes. wanted to, yes. And uh, I, I was told by one of our listeners, you know, do that more often. We want more of that. I just did one on Macbeth, uh, which I, I, I read it. Uh, check it out as we eat lunch. I think absolutely. Yeah, we'll have to do that. It, it's it's pretty it's pretty slick. It's as you all know, my, most of mine are long form stuff. I go pretty oh. long and pretty deep with I do too. Mine, yeah, Martin is much better at getting a, a short, quick post out than, than yes, I am. I am. I am very much the soundbite. I tend to meander some. But I think it, like this last one that you, you, you did mention you liked, uh, Martin, I thought I did a very nice job of starting with something, meandering around, and then bringing it right back to the top again. Yes, well, there you go. That's, that's five stars. Five which, stars. Yeah, much appreciated. 
Francis, what's next, buddy? Well, I mean, in many respects, we're going to kind of pick this up again because we're going to talk a little bit more about Teddy Roosevelt himself, the man, the legend, the way of life. I mean, you hear that a lot, but there's truth. I mean, there's the man, a, the myth, the legend. That is he's, Teddy Roosevelt. He's a larger-than-life figure. He's larger-than-life yes. figure. Uh, he had a lot of stuff in his background that made him the way he was, but a lot of it was just who he was. And we're going to go uh, deep. We're probably not going to... We're going to go more into the person than the president. Yes, I think uh, so. That, I think that's that's kind of the way this is going to end up because yeah. he is a hero in many ways, flawed though he may be. Yeah, uh, there, there's a lot there. So we, we're going to go as much as we can possibly manage in about an hour or so. So join us next episode. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week. Same snake time, same otter channel.